everybody, just want to get some plugs in before the show begins. This April 11th, Monday, Monday, April 11th at the Looking Glass Lounge will be You, Me, Them, Everybody Live. Uh, featuring Sean Peoples from Sockets Records, comedian Jessica Brodkin, a special set from Laughing Man, and music, like always, from Ian Walters. The following Monday, Monday, April 18th, once again at the Looking Glass Lounge, guests include Magna Nakasas from the Not For Tour Sky DC, comedian Tyler Snickson, and a special set from Star FK Radium. Later that week on Thursday, Thursday, April 21st, I will be in Chicago for You, Me, Them, Everybody Midweek in Review, hosted by myself. Panelists include... Comedian Chad Briggs, red-eye writer and blogger for Accidentally Sexy, Anna Fernat. Comedian Sean Flannery and host of Outside the Loop Radio, Mike Stevens. Easter Sunday, Sunday, April 24th, we'll be at the Whistler, our first show at the Whistler for you, me, them, everybody live. Guests include Pitchfork News editor Amy Phillips, comedian Prescott Tolk, and a special set from Post Honeymoon. The following day, Monday, April 25th, we'll be back at the Hungry Brain for you, me, them, everybody live in Chicago, hosted by myself and Esmeralda Leone. Guests include Q101 DJ and author James Van Osdell, Chicagoist editor-in-chief Chuck Sudo, comedian Dan Ronan, and a special set from Good Evening Music that night from Trevor McSpadden from the Horror Brothers. So come on out to all those if you're in Chicago and D.C. And finally, New York, New York City at the end of the month, Saturday, April 30th. You, you meet them, everybody, live at Pete's Candy Store in Williamsburg. Uh, we're going to do the talk show there at midnight, and guests include... From The Daily Show, Wyatt Sinek. So it'd be awfully kind if you came out to all seven of those shows in three different cities. Uh, for more information on these shows and all the other shows that we do, go to the website, which you've gotten this podcast from. You, me, them, everybody.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I hope you enjoy the show. neighbor neighbor and friend hello everybody welcome to the show this is a talk show welcome to you meet them everybody my name is brandon weatherby you've all made it and that makes me very happy you're relatively quiet that makes me even happier oh you're so nice you're so nice there's a baseball game on television and it's nice out nothing could be better everything else just downhill from here you might as well just end it because there's still hope in april Baseball, hope springs eternal. I believe in that. I, I am not a religious man, but baseball is something that I consider relatively close to religion. Um, do I don't look like a baseball fan, uh, in, according to beer commercials. I don't drink Miller Lite out of 16-ounce cans that look like th- you're going to change your oil. I don't do that, yet I enjoy baseball. Why do I enjoy baseball? Baseball is the one sport where failure is the norm. Ladies and gentlemen, if you hit, th- if you hit 300, if you hit a base hit... Three out of ten times, you were almost a guaranteed all-star. And that's absolutely fantastic. Baseball is a sport that has a lot of life lessons. Think about, think about batting, right? There's a lot of ways to stand when you're going to hit a baseball. And you can't fix everything in one false swoop, right? You could fix the arm, then you could fix the leg, and then you could fix the eyesight. There are, there are levels in baseball that, make, that just make sense for life. The, the problem with baseball... The problem with Major League Baseball is a lot of the organizations don't understand that baseball is a game about failure. They think baseball is a game for cover bands. And let me explain. I, I, uh, I used to work for a great organization. I used to work for the Chicago White Sox, and I, I'm, a, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a White Sox fan. It is possible. I know. It sounds so weird in D.C. when no one gives a fuck. Yet in Chicago, it's a very life-and-death matter. Anyways, I'm a big Sox fan. I'm a, I work for the White Sox, and... Um, the White Sox have two bands that play before every game. They have six gates, and in front of two of the gates, you hear a band. 90% of the time is cover bands. Why are we listening to cover bands? Cover bands exist for people that don't care about music and want to have a good time. They need a soundtrack, and you just listen to someone play Living on a Prayer for the 30th time that day. And that's okay, but it's not necessarily needed when it comes to baseball, at least before the game. What is the best hour of life? The best hour, I will tell you, ladies and gentlemen, with bated breath, the, the best hour in, in life ever is the hour before the first pitch. You're at the baseball game. You get there. You might be tailgating. You might be drinking the train. You might be taking a bus. It doesn't matter because everything is hopeful. You have enough money to drink all the beers in the world. <laughs> everything you eat seems like a good idea. Your team... <laughs> Your team has a chance to make it. It's the best hour in the world. 
Yet you then you have this successful, which is sad, a successful cover band playing a tune from another successful band. And that doesn't need to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my simple, simple premise. And I think it could really change nothing. But yet I, I stand by it. Baseball games, Major League Baseball games, need to have indie bands, garage bands, hip-hop acts, anything that's not a cover band play outside of the gates. And let me explain why. Let's say you have a band, like, let's say Shellac. I love Shellac, and I think Shellac should play outside of every game. Shellac, this is, this is not a joke. Steve Albini is actually a giant baseball fan, so that's so inside baseball. See, get it? Um, Steve Albini's baseball fan. Shellac is, do you know Shellac, Ian? Ian has no idea. That's even better. This is why, and Ian's a musician. You play, almost, you play about five nights a week. You got piano. It's wonderful. You should not ever play shellac tunes because that would sound weird on a piano. But shellac is this band. They're highly, highly aggressive. It's meant for people like me. And these guys are baseball fans, and they love baseball. And, and um, they have a song about a squirrel, and it's called Squirrel Song. And it's a great song. And it's super angry. This isn't a metaphor. That's, that's part of the lyrics. Let's say you're a dad and you bring your, your kin. Sure. You bring your kin to the baseball game, and shellac is awful. Well, you can teach him a lesson. The lesson being never playing in any rock and roll band. Fine, that's a good lesson to know. You're going to be broke. That's a great lesson. Let's say you don't have a dad like me, and you go and see Shellac and go, wow, I can play music. I might not be able to play in the stadium, but I can play outside of the stadium and make a few dollars. That's a good lesson to be had. No matter what, you're going to enter the game. You're not going to be so offended. You're going, I'm never going to a baseball game again because Shellac played steady as she goes for nine minutes long. No, that's not <laughs> possible. You're going to have a good time. And I feel like this talk show, in a way, is like the hour before the baseball game. We have a chance here to change lives. We're probably not going to do it. But if, we, but if we change three people in here out of ten, if we change 30% of people's opinions about this talk show, well, goddammit, we feel like goddamn all-stars. So much so that we will never actually reference the song All-Star by Smash Mouth. Remember that song? That exists. That made a lot of people a lot of cocaine. So... With that note, I'm going to tell you about tonight's show. I'm so, I'm so, so happy uh, for tonight's show. We have the Washington Post music critic, Chris Richards, is here. Please put your hands together for Chris. We have stand-up comedy from Chris Berlick. Please put your hands together for Chris. Two Chris's, one show. And uh, I'm really excited about this. We have Big Chimney. Please put your hands together for Big Chimney. Big Chimney, for those of you not in the room, was warming up on the stairwell and I think won over everyone on the patio. Hopefully they can do the same thing in here. Uh, without further ado, Ian Walters is going to play some piano. Ian Walters, take it away. moved true where did you move it's either east hyattsville riverdale edmonston or north bladensburg i i don't know but it's right around there have you ever lived in that neighborhood before uh i went to college park so it's a little bit south of college park why did you move there to college park to go to school no no no. now why did you move to this place Oh, uh, well, it was it was time. It was time to to find um, a place with a little bit of space, with some daylight. Um, that was going to be cozy enough for uh, for my wonderful girlfriend and I. You know, we uh, we needed a new space. Your girlfriend is wonderful. Is your girlfriend a better human being than you? Yes, I agree. Mine is too, for sure. What do you hope happens because of this move? What it, what is your goal for the move? Oh, well, I, I, I would like to uh, play piano in the morning with a, with a cup of coffee and watch a little MSNBC. And Why do you like MSNBC? It's entertaining. It's, it's like reading uh, the New York Post. It's fun. It's fun. Really? Yeah, That's what really. you get from MSNBC? It's not like preaching to the choir? Yeah, no, I really I'm like part of it. the choir if it makes any difference. I like Luke, Luke Russert was at my uh, Zoo Bar show on Friday. Here's my problem with Luke Russert. I don't mean to Real be a simple. name drop, but that's so fucking D.C. and shit. It is D.C. It's, it's fucking awful. I'm sorry. Well, you want a name drop? Wyatt Sinek from The Daily Show is coming on this show, Fuck so yeah. I win. Awesome. Um, <laughs> somebody said what? Yes, we do the show in, we do the show in other cities, and we have, we, have, we have not Luke Russert come. 
Luke Russell is a very nice human being from all from all accounts. I've only heard good things about Luke. But Luke is the reason why my friend did not get to intern for Late Night with Conan O'Brien uh, when Conan O'Brien was still doing Late Night, and he had to wait almost three years to intern for Conan because uh, his dad just died, and so he got to intern for Conan. So that's my problem with Luke Russert. Well, maybe your dad should die. Well, my dad might be dead. And on that note, we're going to bring up our first guest. <laughs> Coming to the stage, please put your hands together for Washington Post music creator and all-around great guy. Chris Richards, everybody. Chris Richards. I love my dad. Okay, let's, that's a great point to start with. You love your dad. Love him. Why do you love your dad? Um, my dad got me into music, actually, so there you go. I'm finding that that's kind of normal, Yeah. but that doesn't make sense to me. Dads versus moms getting their kids no, into music? No, any parent getting their son or daughter into music at all makes no sense to me. Well, it was kind of accidental, I think. It wasn't like he said, son, this is the Talking Heads. He just, you know, had the record. Wait, your dad had a Talking Heads record? Yeah, it was the coolest record in the batch, though. Let's, I'll be what real. What was the worst record in the batch? Um, some people really love Steely Dan, but I still have not had my awakening yet with Steely Fantastic. Dan. Fantastic. So. No, no, that's so. great. We're going to get along. I okay. don't get it. Yeah, I, well, I think I will. I think with all music, well, here's here's my theory on on that. You're disappointing me. Uh, well, maybe well, you hear me out. I think you know, I'm very interested in when people have like a mass response, you know, positively to to something out there that I don't understand, and I always want to keep the idea in in my heart that maybe I just don't get it yet. It doesn't connect yet because it's happened before. Like you know, when I was like 17. Kids would be like, check out this band called Suicide. And I'd be like, that sounds like noise and a guy like yelping into – it sounds weird. And then, you know, a couple of years later, Suicide was one of my favorite bands, you know. So it's like you kind of come around on things. Um, maybe if there's some magic in this Steely Dan catalog, I'm sure there is. Uh, there's people who I respect very highly, musicians who I respect who love it. There's something in there. What do you think you're missing out on on Steely Dan? I'm not sure, but if I find it, I will let you know. Um we should preface that you were not just a music writer, you, critic. You are a former. You are a musician sure. yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you were in Q and not you. Yep. Uh, does that inform how you write about music? Um, I think so. I think when you play music, maybe it makes you both more critical of, of who you're reviewing and also more sympathetic at the same time. Will you give bands a second shot because you've been a music because you are a musician? I th- I think you should give the bands a second shot always. I think. Especially because music, you can change through it. You know, bands get worse, bands get better. Artists get worse, artists get better. But I think so. I mean, the the band that I was in was like a, a punk rock band, and it was very physical, and, and okay. the performances that we gave were, you know. You were in a punk rock band, but yeah. you also were listenable and not so abrasive that you would be considered punk rock. Okay. You would be yeah, considered sure. probably like post-punk, just straight-up indie, and it was very good. Yeah, okay, well, thank you. Um, sure. Yeah, was there, was, there, was a melodic, there was a melodic sensibility to what we were exactly. doing, for sure. And Suicide, not a big melodic sensibility there. No, I love Suicide. Right, right. That no, no, sounds okay. odd. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I enjoy the band, Suicide, yes, and right. I enjoyed Q&IU, but for totally different reasons. Sure. Um, uh, do you miss playing... Um, sometimes I miss, I don't miss playing because I play every day. I play music every day. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I sing or play guitar or play a keyboard horribly once a day. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, an, yeah. that's, then why aren't you like touring in, in a uh, band? Because I have a very demanding full-time job at the Washington Post newspaper. That Speaking keeps of me, it keeps my hands full. It's great. So, Do you like yeah. writing about music? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Why? Well, you know, this might sound hokey, but I I never felt like I was like a musician, quote unquote, and I also don't feel like I'm a reporter or a journalist. I feel like I'm just a guy who's very excited about music and I want to share it in a way. So musically, that was kind of my vibe. And I think as a journalist, it's the same thing. I think my job is to like share my enthusiasm for something with people or steer them away from something I think is garbage or contextualized. You know, any kind of conversation you have about music at a bar, like I want to try to put that into print, you know. Is that how you write, like you're in a bar and you have to win somebody over? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. I, I have definitely have arguments in my head, you know, um, as I review a Janet Jackson concert or something. And I also have an editor. Speaking of which, how did you enjoy the Janet Jackson concert? Oh, she was phenomenal. She was really, really great. It was the number one tours. The number one's tour, yes, correct? correct. Okay. Yeah, it was the first two nights at Constitution Hall. Did she open with Rhythm Nation? No, Rhythm Nation came about halfway through the set. Really? Was, yeah. They held that back? Yeah. That seems like a great opener and or closer. Yeah, she put it right in the middle. You what's can't your predict fav- Janet, you know? She's what's your favorite Janet Jackson record? Oh, Rhythm Nation is the, my favorite album. Really? Yeah, for sure. Because it has, um, 
What do you think of that mid '90s? I'm going to defeat Mariah in the sales, and then she went totally avant-garde. Like I think it's like '90s. Velvet Rope or Janet? Yes, Velvet Rope. Velvet Rope is cool. Velvet I love Rope that is a, record. a dark record. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, I was into that. I really love Janet too. The one from "With That's the Way Love Goes" and all that good stuff. Like '92. That, that, that was like a straight up hit. Velvet Rope, not so much. Yeah, Velvet Rope was like her first kind of slide down. Do you remember the, the yeah. commercial for Velvet Rope? No. It looked like an uh, like a scene that was taken out of 300. Really? Yeah, it was brilliant. Let's Heavy. talk more about the Jacksons. Okay. What do you think about Michael? That's a boring question. R. I'm sorry. To my dude. That's awful. Okay. So you, did you write about music when you were in a, a touring band? I, well, not at the same time. I had like a fanzine in high school. What was your zine? We won't tell the, tell the name of it. Do you want a copy of my... <laughs> No, this is this was not prepared. Do you want a copy of my zine? Yeah, definitely. This is Foul Issue wow. 18. I think it came out in 2006. Oh, maybe? good for you, man. Uh, I was a huge Kirby Puckett fan as a child. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, that's not a joke. Right in the middle. Number, oh, my God. Oh number my God. 34, Here we go. Minnesota no, Twins. Wait, wait, wait. Let's find this right now. Um, Kirby Puckett was my favorite player. It's called The One-Eyed Snake. It's on page five, I think. Um <laughs> No, no joke. We did not plan this, right? We did not plan this. Paragraph one. But this is great radio listening, isn't it? Fanzine on the radio. Kirby Puckett was my favorite baseball player as a kid. The Minnesota Twin center fielder that won two World Series was the man I looked up to and the player I emulated. When I found out that Kirby grew up in Chicago and went to Triton College in River Grove, I began collecting his baseball cards. My mom went back to school at Triton College, blah, 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 blah. Uh, It ends with uh, Kirby Puckett was a uh, pirate rapist. A what? A pirate rapist. Uh, Kirby Puckett Meaning, had to retire because he got glaucoma. Yes. And he lost vision in one eye, so he wore a patch. AKA, wow. Not AKA. That doesn't make sense. He became a pirate siren for those. Fantastic. Yep. Uh, Kirby Puckett was a pirate, and then he had two sexual assault charges yes. that were never settled because he died. Did you read that article in Sports Illustrated, that cover story about no, that? Oh, continue. Was a, well, I was still playing music at the time, and I remember... Uh, by then, I had totally checked out of professional sports, and I was really into music and yeah, yeah. not paying attention to the athletic world at large. And I saw a Sports Illustrated at the airport when Q and was going on tour to Europe. And, um, you know, I'm very hopeful. Here we go. We're going to Europe. It's our first tour. Yeah. All right. And I grabbed this magazine off the rack. Oh, it's a story about the life of Kirby Puckett. And uh, it just outlined what a horrible guy he ended up yeah, being. He was a piece and I was shit. just crushed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was soul crushing. Oh, did your dad steer you towards sports as well? Yes, he did. Wow, you yeah. have such a supportive family. Oh, they're ridiculously supportive. That's yeah. nice. Very, very nice. Where are you from? Where am I from? Yeah. I'm, I'm from Annapolis, Maryland. Okay, so that's... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was born in D.C. and like lived here when I was a young folk, but then all my family's from Minnesota, hence the Kirby Puckett Minnesota Twins thing. So, yeah. What's up, Minnesota? Minnesota's in the house. <laughs> Literally, they are in the house. Yeah. Um, what made you want to stop playing music? And when you stopped playing music, we were like, I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to write about music full time. Or that just happened oh, later? Oh, no. Total accident. Um, I didn't decide to stop playing music. The band broke up. So it kind of put me in a... In yeah, but a, you could have started a, a band. Or true, true, true. Um, but what happened was this. I got hired at the Washington Post in 2001 to, oh, be, really? to be a copy aide, which basically is a person who answers the phones and sorts the mails and... Um, delivers faxes back when fax machines still existed Very important. and were used. Um, but everybody who worked there in this department were all punk rockers. Really? And we all took turns going on tour. So it was kind of like this nice little system where I'd be like, this okay. This is the Washington Post, yeah, not was, the city paper. Yeah. The Post. <laughs> there were, well, the joke was back in the day that there were three places you could work if you were punk. It was the Post, the city paper, or the Phillips Collection uh, Art Gallery as a museum guard where I also worked before I got hired at the Post. This is brilliant. So, Keep yeah, going. Yeah. So, anyway, so what happened was there were all these folks in bands and we'd all take turns going on tour. And, um, you know, like, okay, I'm going on tour in October, but I'll be back in November, so you can go in November. And we'd all kind of coordinate this, and uh, it was really handy. And um, so what happened was time goes on, and, and uh, you know, just being in the room, I guess I was an enthusiastic uh, person in his 20s and wanted to get an act. So um, when the band broke up, I had already kind of started writing a couple tiny CD reviews and things okay. like that. And then I was just looking for a place to kind of put my energy, I think, and um, started pitching feature stories and... It just went from there. So I, I, never, I didn't study journalism at all. It's a, it's a real happy accident. Yeah, but I, my girlfriend's a journalist. She's an actual journalist. And you said you're not a journalist. You're a music writer. I guess. Well, I mean, no, I guess I am a journalist. Well, what makes someone a journalist? That's such an That's awful question. That's what it question. says on my Let's business card. Yeah, okay. Um, I love that one laugh. Thank you so much. Um, second laugh is okay. Yep. What do you get out of it? Is there enjoyment out of it? Yeah, definitely. It's a different kind of gratification. I mean, when you play in a band, the gratification is so insanely instant. I mean, yes. you guys can probably the band here can compa- can say this. Like when you get on stage, 
there are people and you're looking at them in the eye while you do it and they're like, yeah, yeah, this is cool and you, the communication is right there. Um, a newspaper is different, but you really only have to wait like about eight hours. Like I'll file a story mm-hmm. today, you know, this morning, and then it'll funk on my yeah. doorstep tomorrow morning. That's pretty fast too. So uh, what do I get out of it? I think just the joy of knowing that like you're helping spread ideas or your, your excitement about music. You're helping people understand it more. You're helping uh, provide some context. Will you say your age? Yeah, I'm 31. You're 31. Yeah. Are you getting too old to enjoy new music? No, never. And I really? think if you are, that's when you got to get off the train for sure. How, I, how can you still be enthused at 31 about an 18 year, a group of 18-year-olds? I'm not like – this is not patronizing. I'm interested. No, no, in sure. It. I understand that. Well, it's, it's very easy. I mean that's where the excitement is and that's where you – anything – and this kind of goes back to the Steely Dan point. If there's something that I don't understand on first touch and I see a huge amount of excitement around it, I really want to get in there and figure out what it is. Now, a lot of times it's I'm very lucky because I do feel the energy coming through. Like I think you can like hip hop right now is very exciting, and like young people are really into these groups. This group, Out of Future, and mm-hmm. Lil B. These are like really they're huge on the blogosphere. But I don't know, maybe like I don't know, eight months ago they were really confusing to people and they didn't understand it. But when I first heard it, I was like, whoa, this is there's something about this that I don't quite get. But wow, it's, it's there's something there. And then you kind of start you can really track how people are responding to music now with the internet. You know, you can see the response and comments on YouTube pages. You can but see you feel like a whole community building around it. And I think that's always a, an important part of music, like the, the, the people that rally around an artist and the culture that forms around an artist or around a kind of music, I think is, is really important and it's interesting to me too. But don't so. you feel like that is so fleeting now we're like think of the M- the last MIA album. It was a third sure. record. Yeah. Instant backlash from the yeah. moment it was released. Right. The first two albums had a ton of buzz. And now it's kind like, of forgotten. No one knows about it. Sure. Yeah, well, to some degree. I mean, I think she could come back very easily with another of great course, record. Of course. I mean, commercials pay well. Uh, being in a film pays well. I mean, but don't you feel like the, the fan base, like Suicide we talked about before. Sure. Suicide was a band that had to tour to find people. Right, right. That seems to be well, kind of pointless now in terms of getting attention of people, well, not that, in terms of garnering fans. Sure. But g- getting buzzed. Well, I think the way the way that music is shared right now is kind of like completely flipped over. There used to be a time where you would spend years and years touring and gigging really, really hard and getting really great at your songs and like learning how to play them, and you'd build all this muscle memory and sort of you know uh, familiarity with your own work. And then you, after like making all that money from those tours, you'd go into the studio and record it. Yes. And then you'd have a document of that. Of course. Now yes. it is like the complete inverse, where it's like there's with the advent of home recording and GarageBand and all these laptop programs, people stay at home and they work and they work and they work and they work on their records and they make the record sound really great and then they drop it to the world and it's time to go on tour and they don't know how to do it exactly. and that's and it's kind of like, and that's a little I don't want to say it's frustrating it's just different you know because I think albums right now are awesome like we're like for recordings like we live in a really great time well, of course, of but course. I feel like I go to see a lot of live shows that are disappointing what's more important a better live show or a better record apple and an orange I think you honestly think so? yeah i mean nothing i think well it's tough to say if, if you know to, to just Rewind back to like the days when I was making music. Like we didn't think about our records very hard. It was like let's just get this recorded and get on the road. And shouldn't the main, that be kind of how it is? Well, maybe. But here's the thing. So the whole deal was like let's just get out on tour and we'll show everybody in real time what it's like. And that's yes. where the focus was. And that was great. And that's what got people excited. And we had a really awesome kind of communication with you know a lot of people all over the country and all over the world even. Um, now we don't have a band anymore, and all we have are these three records floating around. Yeah. And I go back and listen to them, and I kind of go, "Oh, I wish we would have just spent a little more time on it, or you know, given these songs time to gestate, you know." And, or, then why, yeah. then why not just release live recordings for free of every show after the fact, and people could judge you on that? That's another way of looking at it. But you know, a, a sculpted recording is an interesting thing for sure. Yeah, I know, but there's a, the, like I, mean, I know you're a Smashing Pumpkins fan. Siamese Dream wait, wouldn't, wait, wait, would not you, have happened. Wait, wait, wait! How do you listen to a show? Okay. Was, yeah. So well, Smashing like Siamese Dream wouldn't have happened. That's not a live album. You know? That's true. But the Pumpkins were good enough to, where you could kind of get where they were going. Sure. And like Shellac, Shellac is a great band, live mm-hmm. and in person. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a band that like okay, f- anything that Phil Spector recorded. It's probably ten times better than any live act of Phil Spector. Okay, sure. So, but does that make it better? Probably not. That just means one guy's insane is going to kill a woman later <laughs> in life. <laughs> right. So, I still think the live performance is so much better. Okay, cool. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> um, we're going to close with three questions. What should people steer to and what should people steer away from? You want specific? I mean, to drop specific some names? Specific fans. Drop names. You are a... Yeah, sure. I'm, in terms of DC, you're probably the guy. Well, thank you. You're right for the post. 
You were in an awesome band. You can judge people probably better than anybody else. Who should people steer to and who wow. should people steer away yeah, from? That's far too kind. Um, let's see. The, the, the record I've been listening to a lot lately is this uh, pop singer. I guess you could call her a pop singer from England. Her name is Katie B. Katie B. Yeah, K-A-T-Y. And she's out of like the dubstep world, okay. You know where the basslines go, womp, 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 like all those kind of woozy, curvy basslines. But she sings very elegant, simple pop melodies over the top. And I feel like every American pop singer could learn so much from her. Like okay. I would love if Rihanna like paid very close attention to the KDB album because it's just so catchy and solid and and really um, there's a cohesion to the entire thing. And her singing is very understated too. I don't think really? you see a lot of that. So many pop yeah, singers are just overdoing it. You know? Oh, this is so insider. I'm sorry, yeah. live audience. Um, local band. Local Give me band. a local band. A local... Um, no, I, I think I think I'm most excited right now about the hip-hop scene in D.C. So Fat Trell is a rapper who just put out a mixtape this week that... P-H-A-T or great. F-A-T? F-A-T, T-R-E-L. He put out a mixtape on Friday called April Fools, which I downloaded thinking it would be blank, but it actually is a uh, real mixtape that you can listen to. <laughs> and there's some production from that guy Lex Luger who did all the great Rick Ross and Waka Flocka songs. Okay. So it's very heavy. And um, Who should people exciting. stay away from in terms of big name acts that... Like, there's nothing to get who would i think is like disappointing wow that's a tough one to, to come at the top of the head um well to speaking to that um point i was making earlier about making a great album and having a really sort of not all the way there live show is i saw that band smith westerns recently and i oh. love that record quite a bit and i thought their live show was really like not i'm even close to how great the album was trust me i'm from so, chicago i know the smith I, yeah, i'm with you buddy you're intense you probably have an intense feeling for them i'm sure yeah not yeah. the good way either they so were on my airplane to south that. by southwest and i had talked about this the singers i had talked about the singer's hair in my review and he sat literally on the plane right in front of me and reclined his seat back and it was like fate being like oh you're gonna talk smack about my hair your hair my hair is gonna be in your face for this whole plane ride dude uh last original question but it's not really a question i'm going to hand you uh my favorite performer's album wow his name is daniel knox okay he's about to release an album on la Societe. It's the same album with Justin Claiborne. I don't know if you know. Like, whatever. Will you promise me to listen to it at least once? Sure. Fantastic. Here you go. There. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. And now we're going to end with a question from the Kids Book of Questions. I think I'm, like, I'm so glad I got to blackmail you. I used to have a band, so this is my way of like pushing shit on reporters that have no interest in it. I'm walking. He's I'm, great. He's I'm walking favorite. out of here with a CD and a fanzine, man. I'm psyched. And you this feel, is good. <laughs> do you feel 17? Because do you I what? Feel 17. Okay. I do feel 17 always. This is a question from the Kids Book of Questions. It's an awful, awful, awful book. I need you to pick a number between 39 and 253. 252. Fine. Fantastic. We're retiring the book this year, so 252. If you could decide right now whether or not you will smoke cigarettes when you grow up, what would you decide? What about using drugs or drinking a lot? How do you think it would change your life if you did the opposite? Wow, that's a deep one. It's an awful book. Um, that's a deep one. Um... You know, it, well, I grew up in Washington, you know, in the greater D.C., under the influence of the greater D.C. punk scene, where straight edge was a very um, powerful social force for teenagers. But I was having a conversation with some friends the other day who also grew up in D.C., and we basically realized we were just, like, too afraid to, like, get drunk or smoke a cigarette. We were afraid we were going to get in trouble. And then when we found out about Minor Threat, we were like, oh, it's cool to be like this. Uh, to the kids at home, it's not cool to be like that. Uh, all things in moderation. That's my thing. Okay. Don't cool. smoke a pack. Smoke a half a pack. You're awesome. Yeah. But I've only smoked, like, nerd, uh, this is really geeky, but I'll tell you, I smoked two cigarettes in my whole life. And both times was to impress a girl. And it, Did of it course, work? Oh, of course not, because you're like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I started smoking because I hate my singing voice. And because. <laughs> oh, that'll help. No, it did. I, I, hate, really? I, have, a, I have a whiny kind of high register. You going for like a Tom Waits? Like no, I wanted a Tom Waits, Johnny Cash thing, and I had a Billy Corgan thing, and I'm oh. not a dick, so I didn't want to keep that. Okay. So it totally works, kids. If you want to sound deeper, smoke two packs just the day of the show. I'm not joking. Smoke two packs the day of the show. Really? Yeah, yeah, it totally works. The next day you won't feel so hot, but then don't smoke again until your next show. I used to do that all the time. All right. Relaxing until the next show. Can I just, like, do a counterpoint? Go ahead. Don't do that. That's nope. crazy. <laughs> like, I think, you know, the, all the hydration thing is really important. And I also wait, wait, read that really? chewing gum. Like, if you ever see, I always see rock bands with the singer chewing gum. Dave Grohl does it famously. Yeah, Dave, Dave Grohl does exactly. Do you know why? To keep the saliva going. Yeah, keep exactly. The moisture. I didn't yeah. know that. And, and, you know, it's like. You know what else Dave so Grohl does? Smokes two packs a day. 
Oh yeah! Wow. So you yeah. proved both of our theories yeah. together at once. Well, here let's. Where can people find your stuff? It's very easy to find because you write for a very mainstream paper. It's a Washington Post newspaper. Uh, please subscribe to it if you want us to uh, continue to be printing it. Um, and but also we have a pop music blog on WashingtonPost.com called Click Track. Click Track. And uh, we we publish there, you know, between three and ten times a day. And uh, you are recommended by Ryan, and I want to say thank you to Ryan. You are a fantastic guest. Thank you so hey, much thanks, for doing man. this. I'm very Please, everybody, put your thanks, hands guys. together for Chris Richards, everybody. Chris Please, please clap for Ian really quick. Ian plays every Sunday night at the Wonderland Ballroom, uh, which is in Columbia Heights, and he plays all over town, and you should go see him. Are you ready to laugh or try to laugh? That's such an awful intro. I'm already sorry, Chris. Coming to the stage, please put your hands together, everybody, for Chris Balick, everybody. Chris Balick! Yes! Hi, you. Hi. Hi, you, who attended. Yes. Yes. How are you guys doing? Yeah. I'm good too. Um, I've, I've come to a realization about something. I, I I saw the scariest thing I've ever seen on TV the other day, and it wasn't a horror movie. It wasn't a horrible documentary. It was a McDonald's commercial advertising twenty McNuggets for four ninety nine, and. This is the scariest commercial because it's got a beautiful man and a beautiful woman and a giant bowl of chicken McNuggets between them. And what happens is each person, you know, the guy takes a McNugget, he dips the McNugget, he looks deeply into the girl's eyes. You know, he takes a nibble of the McNugget and she does the same and it goes on. And I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with the commercial and I figured out what's wrong with the core idea of the commercial is whenever you're eating a chicken McNugget, you don't want to make eye contact with anyone. It's like you're eating something that's not even on the food chain anymore. You're, you're eating the thing that the FDA barely approves every year. It's like, yeah, the 2011 McNuggets in. It's got 38% more beaks. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> and I've come to realize that there are only two upshots to that commercial. The first is there's apparently a woman with all of her natural teeth remaining who will let you take her out for four ninety nine, and that's the date. And the second is, look, if she was willing to put that in her mouth, then, um, oh, yes, sir. We're getting giddy. Napoleon Dynamite with less hair. Um, you are going to school us all in a dance contest. Yes. I do have some good news, you guys. Um, even though my dating life is hideous, I got to kiss a girl recently. Yeah. Yeah! yeah! It was awesome. I was at a party. I was talking with a girl, much like you, capable of reproduction. Um, that's not creepy. Um, and, like, the thing was, we started talking, and one thing led to another, and we started making out, and we got to that great, cool, intimate moment where you're kissing someone, and you're running your hand through someone's hair, and that was also the moment where I realized that she had prosthetic ears, because... My hand kept slipping and hitting this black surgical implant that allowed her to hear. And in the back of my mind, I was wondering, like, what do I make of this? How do I feel about this? You know, what, am, what, what do I take away from this? And another part of my brain was just saying, made out with a cyborg. Oh, yes. Oh, God, if I could high five my nine year old self, I would. We did it, buddy. Yeah. Kick that off the bucket list. Next on the attainable life goals, blow job on the moon. I, I've been thinking about this, you guys. I'm kind of a geek, and I th thank you, Valerie. There are only different kinds of geek, different kinds of evil, different kinds of war crimes. Um, I'm a geek, and I, I, I think like if you're a geek, you gotta get, get down to some brass hacks here. You know, like you're never gonna have the easiest dating life, like. Odds are, if you take a girl out and date and you bring her back to your apartment, a.k.a. Fort Awesome, a.k.a. Battlestar Galactica, but way cooler, like, 
She's not going to look around and be like, you've got an original Dreamcast. Take me now, you autistic dreamboat. You know? <laughs> like, odds are you're going to need all the help you're going to get. And ladies, I think that's where the government should kick in and reward you. Like, I think your tax rebate should be directly proportional to the dorkiness of the guy you're dating. Like, if you go to a Star Trek convention, you pick up the 500-pound guy with the homemade tricorder, and you actually fuck this man, the IRS shouldn't send you a bill. They should send you a pony and a thank you note. It's like, yeah, you took Larry in the basement off our hands. We thank you for that. So I'm single? Yes. Yes, sir, I am single and readily available and fertile. Chris, sorry to interrupt. Uh, you realize that the listener at home can't see crowd work that's not vocal, right? Oh, he can hear the fear in this man's voice. Fantastic. That's all that matters. Um, I'm single, and I'm wondering, like, why am I single? Why am I single? Because I'm, I'm trying to work out a little more. I'm trying to dress a little better. I'm trying to act a little cooler. I'm trying not to dance like an epileptic Muppet when I go to the club. And it's like, why am I single? And I think the best answer to that question is on my wrist, because I walk around with a 25th anniversary Space Invaders watch. And this is the best contraceptive that money can buy, you know? It's like girls will walk into a bar. They'll go up to a bald guy with a Rolex and a bald spot. She'll give him a huge break. Girls see this. I can hear their vaginas slam shut from down the hall. It's sort of majestic. Um, I'm... Uh, a friend of mine was just texting me, and he said, hey, I want to come down Wednesday. I, I, went, I want to crash with you. Thursday, I want to go to the Tea Party anti-abortion rally uh, just for fun. Um, his plan is to go around and ask, which do you like better, Roe versus Wade? Um, and I, I like this idea. I'm a little apprehensive of the idea because, you know, I, I don't know if I want to hang around tens of thousands of people screaming about abortion where they're like, every child is a gift. Every child is a gift. Because if you follow that line of logic, then that means that abortion is the customer service slash return counter for all of those gifts. Where it's like the girl just walks up to the counter and she's 15 and she's like, I don't really want this anymore. My uncles gave me it for Easter. I just wanted the Hannah Montana t-shirt. What do you mean there's a two-trimester return policy? Um, yeah. So because of comments like that, I remain single. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've been... I like it! Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. You, you are, like, cackling like something that, like, resides on the river Styx, but... <laughs> it's like, I'm Sharon, and I'll just paddle you across the river to judgment. Um, let's see, I, oh my god, what was, I, I have a dream job, you guys, I've been thinking about it, uh, my dream job is to become the Pope, because if you think about it, like, that's the closest you'll ever get to being a superhero, because when you're the Pope, you got the cape, you got the hat, you got the bulletproof car, but the coolest thing about being the Pope is you get to choose the name that you're known by, you know, one guy was John Paul II, Another was Pius the 16th. I'm just going to be Heathen Smasher 5000. <laughs> and this is going to be great. It's going to be my first day on the balcony, St. Peter's Square. Thousands of people hanging on my every word. I'm just going to go up to the mic and be like, Hello, my children. Welcome to Vatican 3.0. <laughs> the following are the edicts of the Heathen Smasher 5000. Edict the first. All parking tickets can be gotten out of with three Hail Marys and a rockin' guitar solo. <laughs> Edict the second, staring is caring. <laughs> Edict the third, yes, and Jesus did defeat the dinosaurs using his own brand of kung fu. Edict the fourth, chainsaw hands for everyone. And our final edict so far, so you came in her hair again. Oh, well. I do have a backup dream job, you guys. My backup dream job is to become a fireman. But then I realized that they're not looking for firemen like me. Like, they're not looking for the Caucasian Steve Urkel who's praying for puberty to finish at 33. 
And I think where it screws up the most is when it comes down to the hunky fireman calendar they sell every year where, you know, you flip over to one month and it's a shirtless chiseled dude. He's single-handedly washing the company fire truck. Sexy tagline is just like, it's getting hot in here, girl. And then you flip over the next month and it's a really cut dude playing frisbee with a Dalmatian. Sexy tagline is just like, it's getting warmer now. And then you flip over to my month and it's just me in a swimming pool with my shirt on. I've got floaties on my arms. I'm holding a pool noodle. And my sexy tagline is just, I listen. <laughs> All right, going to end it on that. Thank you, Brandon. Please, please put your hands together for Chris. Sit down. Chris. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'll take a drink. Hell I'm yeah. loving Ian here because Ian is just like... It, it, Ian is just like the acceptance and defiance of every 70s lounge piano player. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm Asian, and I've got a PBR in each hand, but I'm playing the piano, and this isn't working. No. I I liked you until you got racist. Good job. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, Chris, I, I asked too many comics this. Uh, do you have an album title for your album yet? Because dragons are super awesome. Is that really going to be your album title? Or my porn movie title, yes. Speaking of porn movie title, Blowjab on the Moon, another acceptable album title. I would go for that. Uh, another one was Autistic Dreamboat. Uh, yes, but no female will pose for the album cover of either. You don't, no, 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 that's the point. It could be you in the, in, the, in the pool with the noodle and the t-shirt on. And it could say something like Autistic Dreamboat with an arrow pointing up or down, whatever, and it would work. Oh, down, sir. Most okay. Of- um, you said you dance like an epileptic Muppet at a club? Yes, I do. Why are you in a club? I used to go to raves and I used Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I used to go into... Is that why you're currently wearing cargo pants? Yes. Um, uh, it's a visual joke. I apologize. Uh, I'm not the only one who made this error. Um, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Aww. I, I just like the cargo can- pants because I can put, like, computer cables in here and stuff. I love you so much. <laughs> if I ever have a daughter, I only want them to date and or marry people like you. My usual technique is to offer them in the most romantic sandwich possible. See, look at that! How are you single? Seriously? You're really single? I'm really single. Do you have a job? Yeah. It's I, a computer job, isn't it? I'm a video game critic. There it is. Really? Why are you... Why are... Ladies, come on. Ladies. Ladies. Ladies of the world. Thank you. You're funny. You're nice. You don't scream at people. You're the exact opposite of me, yet I have a girlfriend. What's going on? You need to lend me your girlfriend. No! <laughs> See? It's things like that's why you're single. Okay. Yes. We're going to end this interview now. Because I could destroy you with one punch. <laughs> Pick a number between thirty. Oh, sir, I have three years of Aikido. Do you? Re- oh my God! Yes, yes. I oh, do. I love you so much. If someone, if someone has a karate chop that's directly over their head, I've got like that's coming at me. I've got like eight techniques to casually block it. But you would think about those techniques and not do anything except design a video game around those techniques. It'd be like the Matrix without success. Yes. Oh my God! You're so nerdy and great. Thank you. Really, the, the, the fact that you're single is just a shame. I I'm not joking. This is not a joke anymore. This, like, come on, really? Look at this guy. You're thin. You're smart. You have a successful job. You have a hobby so you won't get annoying. Sir, sir. Really? Sir, Why are you single? I'm a professional video game critic. I yeah, think. exactly. You're smart. You're right about nerdy shit. You're never gonna, you, could, you would never cheat on anyone, would you? Uh. Re- ooh. It wasn't exactly cheating. I Wait, have... really quick. Wait, really quick. Ian is has a keyboard right in front of him, <laughs> yet he moaned, wah, wah, why not just play it, buddy? Play it, good sir. Um, it wasn't cheating, but I had two sequences of two girls in 24 hours. I don't know how it happened. What year was this? Uh, 2003 and 2006. This is seven years ago! <laughs> <laughs> Eight years! Were you in... Wait, wait, wait. Were you in college? Uh, grad school. You were, oh my god! Was alcohol involved? Yes. And so it's okay! <laughs> god, you're so nice. Really, ladies? You just hate having decent times and not awesome times? <laughs> just, come on, buddy. You can be, you should be married, like, soon. I, I should. 
I'm sure you exactly wanted to talk about this. Pick a number between 39 and 251. Um, I pick 79. 79. Why yeah. 79? Uh, two odd numbers. Fantastic. Oh, my God. You're such a nerd. I love you. I watched Pi the other day, and then I drilled a hole in my head. Everything worked out. I love that I like that reference, and no one else <laughs> does. I love you, buddy. 79. What is something you love doing now, but will probably not enjoy in two years? Hmm. Let's see. Hmm. Either combative hopscotch or World of Warcraft. Have you gone eight years without saying one nerdy thing in the half-hour period? Wow. That's a fair question. Have I? I don't think I can go that long. I love you. Do you drink alcohol? Yes, I do. Really? Yes. Not well. Um, I have a picture from a January party where I got suckered into playing uh, Edward Forty Hands. <laughs> For and those of you that don't know, let's, it, Edward Forty Hands is exactly how it sounds. You duct tape two 40s to your hands, and you can't unwrap them until both 40s are emptied. Let me see this. No, no, it, it was... You realize this is a visual podcast, yes, right? Yes, it is. It's not a visual podcast. Um, but I'm going off your reaction here. That's fair. This um, is great. This is great. The only time I ever played Edward Forty Hands was on a drive back from Ohio <laughs> to Chicago. And you were driving. I was not driving. <laughs> the The driver only had one Forty Hand. Not a joke. Okay. Chris, where can people... S- I just lost the entire crowd. I'm so sorry. I'm used to it. Where can people see Where can people see you next? Or plug some stuff. Um, on April 14th, uh, let's see. Um, I'm doing a set at the State Theater, the, uh, the $5 comedy show. I'm on the bill with some absolutely amazing comics. Uh, Tyler Richardson, Will Hessler, Lafayette Wright, uh, Jermaine Fowler is going to headline it. Absolutely That's going to be a great guy. show. All friends comic. of the show. I yes. highly recommend it. Um, April 14th, State Theater. Over in Falls Church, Virginia. That's going to be a great show. Where can people find that out? Um, pretty much Facebook. But Facebook. Just, just, just people go to Facebook and figure it out. Go to own. $5 Comedy Show, and regionally it should uh, show up. That's um, a fantastic show. And people should uh, really support him. He's a fantastic guy. Ladies, if you're single, wait, come there, on, really? He's a, he, he's a catch. That's not a joke. There, there is one more thing, and it, and it dovetails into my being single. Um, um, yeah, the... Uh, May 12th. I, I realize it's over a month away. We are doing uh, an 11th Street Lounge. At 11, uh, we are doing an underwear comedy showcase. We have got some absolutely incredible comics on the bill. It's for the Tsunami Relief Effort. Uh, all the comics are going up in their underwear. Spider-Man, Underoos, and lingerie and all. Uh, we've got some amazing people. Jessica Brodkin, Emily Ruskowski, uh, David Black. Tickets are $5. Everything is going towards the Japanese Red Cross for the r- That's relief awesome. effort. Uh, you can donate more if you want. Please put your hands together for Chris Berlick, everybody. Woo! Chris Berlick. Everybody, Ian Walters. I absolutely love Ian Walters. Okay, who am I speaking with? Uh, you're, you're talking to Alex Sens from Big Chimney. Alex. You need to give me some mic. I this think. is why I like... Okay, do, do you want to describe your music to the listener at home? Uh, not particularly, but... Fair I, enough, I, fair no, enough. I, I think we're sort of indescribable, actually. I think you're Americana. Sort of, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I just did well, that in one word. We like to do, you know, Steely Dan covers. <laughs> oh, that's a good callback, buddy. Yeah. Someone knows comic timing. Yeah, yeah. How long have his uh, big, chim- big chimney been around? Um, it's about two years. Two we, years. We've known each other for a long time, but have been together as a band for about two years. I've noticed that you're married. I am. I'm the, probably the oldest person you've ever talked to on this. In the, on How old show. are you? I'm 46. No, you're not the oldest. Okay, person. well, I'm just saying. You're 46. Yeah. You've aged remarkably well. Well, it's, it's the absence of hair. I was gonna guess. <laughs> I would have gone mid 30s. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. How do you do it? Do you have a workout regimen? It's clean living. Do you really have a clean living? More or like less. Style? More, lots of children and, you, you know. You have children? I have a day job and, you know. What's your day haggard. job? Uh, I teach 18 to 21-year-olds. Oh, my God. What do, so you do, what do you teach? I teach um, Greek and Latin, believe it or not. What I do is I find the weirdest things I can do, and then I do them. So, so you, you teach children the classics, yep. and you, you make beautiful music. I'm not sure about beautiful, but I make music, yeah. You won the crowd over on the patio, and okay, I, I love well, it so much. I'm not much. sure that was me, but, yeah. Well, it was, it the was all of us, yeah. And you're modest. I, I try. Chris, learn from this dude. Look at He's married. He's got kids. He's got a dream life. Come on. Pick up some notes, buddy. All right. 
He's in shape too. Do you really work out though? Uh, I, I used to I actually have been injured for the last you know five or six months. So What's I, wrong? I have a herniated disc. So oh, you have a herniated disc. So most of the time, my leg feels like it's on fire. Are you yeah. going to get surgery? No. Why under not? Because no, everybody says under no circumstances. Surgery. Why? Because there are other treatments, and you know they it, apparently it just comes back. You know if you do oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it's just That's not. Awful. It's not a long term cure for for a lot of people. Some people need it, obviously. Yeah. What does your wife think of the, the music that you make? She loves the music. She's so yeah, great. She, I've been doing this show for a long time. I've been in bands for a long time, and. Uh, the older I get, the more I'm drawn to bands like you. Because I think you're, you make some of the... That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. This sentence will be cut out of the podcast. Hold on. Let me just think. You make music that you don't have to be ashamed of at like 50, 60, 70. You make really We're great, 46, yeah. beautiful yeah. music. Yeah. You're pretty old, to be fair. I, that's true. <laughs> no. What? He looks better than me, and he's got almost 20 years on me. Jesus Christ. Ouch. What? Ouch to who? Me or you? Just me, generally. Why? Because I mean, I'm old. You, you know? look great. You make beautiful Thank music. What's thanks. the problem? I got no problem. Your wife I'm, loves you. you got, I'm happy. Do you, do you I'm have, happy. Do you have children? I'm trying to be self-deprecating here. I know. Don't, don't do it, buddy. Slack. You're great. Don't yeah. have any shame in this. I have no shame. Let's plug some my, of your my friends. St- uh, my friends know I have no shame. You're so nice. I am a nice guy. What do you think of Ian? Uh, he, he he could be a nice guy. I'm not, I remain to be convinced. Not as a person. Who cares about that? Oh, he's good. Oh, Ian, as a musician. As yeah. a musician. Oh, he's a great musician. I know. I wish I could be that kind of musician. Tell awesome. You awesome. I know. That was weird. Let's end this. <laughs> let's end this interview. Oh, you're great! So I nice. get one, I get one of these. Yeah. All right. Oh, you're so nice. Do I, I'm, yeah. Please pick a number. Somebody said, "Bring it." Okay. <laughs> Between thirty-nine and two fifty-one. A sixty-nine would have. Sixty-nine. To be, right? get, yeah. That. That was taken the first night. Okay. Eighty-one. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather be a rich and famous movie star or a great doctor who saves a lot of people but is not wealthy or well-known? Oh, come on. That's like such a boring question. Can you give me something better? Nope. Fine. Yeah, actually, we can. Okay. We'll do 82. Have you ever seen your parents drunk or very ill? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. How did it feel to see them that way? How did it feel to see them that way? Amusing. No, the drunk part was amusing. The ill part, not so much, but yeah. Do you understand why the band interviews don't go as long? It's just he's so nice. I'm nice and not all that edgy. No, you're not. No. You're so nice. <laughs> Let's God. plug before you play. Where can people see you next? Uh, what's the website? All that good stuff. Okay, the website is bigchimneyband.com, and you can find us on Facebook. Um, our next, I think we're playing the Washington Folk Festival in June. We all have busy schedules, so we don't play out that That's much. Awesome. But uh, June 6th, I think, it's Glen Echo. Uh, here's another plug for them. If you're thinking about, hey, I'm going to get married and I want to have a band, get Big Chimney. No joke. These guys are great. Everyone will enjoy them. There's not one bad thing about them. Don't fuck this up, by the way. Look at that plug. That's the nicest thing I've ever said about a band. Thank you very much. I'm you, very pretty, we, Good we luck, it. Thank buddy. Thank you very much. Uh, stick around, everybody. Please put your hands together for Big Chimney. Everybody. Big Chimney's coming up next. <laughs>
San Francisco last year. Gonna have to leave now, I know. But I'll see you in the stars above and the tall grass on the top. Big Chimney, we're uh, we're one person short tonight. Our fiddler's out, uh, traveling for work, doing government work. Yeah, so we're gonna do our best with four of us. <clears throat> this is a song by the Stanley Brothers called "Ramshackle Shack on the Hill." Yes, of course. Yes. John Seabach on mandolin, Avril Smith on guitar. Thanks. Yeah, that is by the Stanley Brothers.
smell of the leaves on the magnolia trees in the meadow. King August will surely come. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful evening.